go-to LaCroix flavor? Me? Yeah. I like a lot of the the sort of second generation flavors, if you will. So I really yeah. like mango, passion fruit, coconut, apricot. The sort of original sure. yeah, ones, yeah. because I work, used to work in an office, I'm absolutely sick of. I don't want to see lemon or lime. Sure. Oh, and I love the blue. I love pure. Isn't it? That's crazy. Clear? <laughs> they, I call them clear boys. Uh... <laughs> And they are, like, I would ha- rather have that than, like, a lime. Sure, yeah. I feel like LaCroix is too effervescent. Like, I want it to be subtle. Like, I feel like Bubbly is subtle. Aha is subtle. Um, Polar, I think, has bigger bubbles, which is, like, an important thing. I think the bigger way that... bubbles? The, truly, the way that it's carbonated, like... You'll get some, and it's like, this is, like, hurting to drink. It's so carbonated. The one is that thing... about size of bubbles or volume of bubbles, though? Listen, I might not have the vernacular, but I know what I mean. Sure. I mean, I, yeah, I The science haven't come back on it. A lot of Colin, yeah, yeah. Colin's still running the numbers. Colin has a lot of <laughs> taps right. to beakers. Don't even get me started on soda streams. Colin really backdoor piloting his other hey, podcast. Hey, whoa, 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 easy, easy, easy. <laughs> We're not, We're not to ready to drop about. that info yet. It's not public knowledge yet. Uh, Didn't your co-host drop that knowledge on their podcast? I think she has on multiple podcasts now, but we'll see. Uh, no episodes out yet, no <laughs> presence yet. But uh, I love getting to a plug before what this podcast Yeah, before we is. intro. Well, listen, welcome to K&I Kick It. I'm one of your hosts, Colin Ashley, joined by... Andy Gramuga. Emilio Diaz. Uh, we're a podcast about film festivals. I didn't say that. I got to mess up the order. But we're here to talk about Good thing Mike you acknowledge Lee. that. Yeah, yeah. It's always important to acknowledge your mistakes, I find. <laughs> Rather than me being editing and like, should I like cut myself saying it in now? Um, but yes, we're here to talk Mike Lee. We're talking right. about Secrets and Lies, which won the Palm. And another year, which was at Cannes, but didn't win anything. And joining us to talk about Mike Lee, returning guest, friend of the show, Fran Hoffner. Thank you for having me back. I'm the, the best guy in the world. Yeah, Mike Lee. He seems like a, a real sweetie. He, I, would, I mean, look, he's I would, just got one of the best faces. Yeah, you always love a guy who looks like Droopy Dog. We all know. He right? does look like Droopy Dog for sure. There's that famous <laughs> meme of him. From like the Hollywood Reporter right, roundtable, like, yeah, where he's, where he's sitting like this. Friend. There's that a has... picture of my boyfriend's niece where he says she looks like Mike Lee, and I was like, "That's so mean." And then I saw it, and I was like, "He also does kind of look like a despondent baby." Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> There's um that same Hollywood Reporter roundtable. It's like the 2014 directors, so I think uh, Link Letters there, and he's like talking about making a movie for 10 years with Boyhood. And Mike Lee's like, oh, I couldn't do that now. I won't be around for that long. And Richard Linklater is like, come on, Mike. And like the way he says it, <laughs> I think about all the time. Who is, it's like, who is Lee mad at again in the one where he just looks like in the meme photo? Oh, Someone think, annoying is talking. I think it's the guy, I think his name's like Stephen Galloway. Is that the dude who like 
runs panel for those. Oh, is it at the guy? Just the question. I think so, because he's always he always is like asking weirdly incendiary questions. Because that's like Nolan, Angelina Jolie, Bennett Miller, and I think Morton Tildum <laughs> for. Um, <laughs> did he Tilda. do the imitation game? Okay, so not guys who would like yes. explicitly piss no, off yeah. Mike Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if, like, Inuratu or, like... Yeah, yeah. Someone who I think loves to be, like, a little provocative in those would, like, make him right, yeah. look like that. Yeah, yeah I think it's... Yeah, Colin, Colin, it's uh, Mike Lee, Bennett Miller, Christopher Nolan, Morton Tildum, Angelina Jolie, and Richard Linklater. I that nailed is. it. I mean, look, a, bu- like, a crop of great movies and a crop of okay movies. We all love Foxcatcher. <laughs> um, you always have to get that one in. Whenever you, yeah, you really insist that we all love. It, Fox we should Hatcher. do a Fox. This is not a conversation to have now. We should do a Fox Hatcher episode. It like he won Best Director. Colin, Colin, <laughs> you do not want a, a Fox Hatcher episode to happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me not being able to defend a movie that I love. Um, but yes, Mike Lee. I feel like you famously, Fran, have a experience of getting into Mike Lee. Um. Yeah, I he was he was kind of my big like pandemic original pandemic director yeah, sweep sure. that I had done. Um but I had seen his two most recent flicks within right. like a year of them coming out initially with no real understanding of who he was. So I saw mm-hmm. Mr. Turner in theaters doing festival coverage back in 2014 mm-hmm. and I was a much younger, much more naive film critic at the time and remember being kind of dazzled by the spectacle of Mr. Turner, Mm -hmm. but also having this, like, chip-on-my-shoulder attitude about it where I was like, um, do we need another movie about a male painter? (laughs) Realizing sort of now, like, oh, we don't have any movies that are like this ever. (laughs) This is definitely its own kind of thing. Um, And I'm curious to revisit that one eventually, but I remember being like, I don't really see what's going on here other than this looks amazing and then i saw peter yeah. lou peter lou got like completely buried i watched it like yeah. streaming once it came to str- like the second it on came Amazon, to streaming yeah, right yeah yeah and was like oh this might be amazing and then yeah during june of 2020 they put like all of them up on criterion channel and yeah. i watched life is sweet on a whim just because i am a lifelong broadbent stan and that movie just blew me away. And then I did yeah. all of them, mostly in order. I think I jumped or I think I went from Life is Sweet into Secrets and Lies. And then I kind of went back and did, like, Naked. And uh, I can't remember. I think Career Girls comes after Secrets and Lies. But from there on out, I tried to do them chronologically. Because I think mm-hmm. there is, like, a grander narrative at play. At least with a lot of the humanist dramedies. Yeah. The period right. pieces I have a harder time slotting in. They yeah. just seem to be yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. yeah, this is the thing. He has these two modes, right? And, like, I guess... And the process for them, I think, is different, very different, right? This process for making those movies. So I'm excited to talk about that. Because, yeah, this... To get into my history, I guess we'll go around the horn, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I had seen Peter Lou when it came out. I think I saw it in the theater. It Like, you know, when it plays... Like, when an Amazon movie plays for, like, two weeks at your yeah. indie theater or whatever. Um, and then I had also seen Topsy Turvy, which mm-hmm. I like was one of the earlier criterions that I bought because I like theater. So, and it was a movie <laughs> about making theater. So I was like, sure. Um, and I like 
both those movies very much. Like, I, Topsy Turvy, I think, is really, like, exciting and <laughs> crazy and yeah. uh, approaches its subject in, like, such an interesting way. Um, and then, yeah, Peterloo, I remember we talked about it that year because, like, it yeah. was... Did it was we, a had we all seen it? Was it in contention for... For we us, for we did awards. it for that like awards, like, yeah, our first awards. Um, and like I like, I liked it a lot. Not, not not everyone felt that way, but like yes, the that that also like is like very structurally like in, an interesting movie where it's like you know just long speeches for the <laughs> first uh, you know four fifths, and then like the last one fifth is like an exciting uh, action sequence. Um, yeah. but, my but joke yeah, so about I, that movie at the time was like I love betting it all on Rory Kinnear and now that new <laughs> Alex Garland movie is kind of literally betting betting it all yeah, <laughs> on Rory right. Kinnear yeah so so I had seen both of those and both and liked both of them both very much uh, had not uh, seen any other stuff and then like I guess I didn't know that much about him as a guy or like what his process was or anything in my head at all for having seen those movies so seeing these two movies that we're talking about today, which are the more, like, contemporary, like, yeah. you know, stuff, uh, which is more, like, involved in his, like, improvisation process that we'll talk about, I'm sure. Um, yeah. uh, I was very surprised to, to like, see that mode and to, to see those movies, and I, especially, yeah, Secrets and Lies really knocked me over. Um, yeah. And I liked Another Year a lot as well. So that's my history. Amelia? Oh! Or I mean, my history is just, yeah, when Peterloo came out, I was sort of looking at Can back then. That was before we had the podcast, obviously. And I had, like, seen the reaction to it, like, play out fully of just it getting sort of ignored at the time. And then some people, like, rose up for it and, like, stood up for it. I know Emily Yoshida was, I think, the person who tweeted about it that got me to watch it just on a whim. And then I really liked it. But... I guess to what Fran was talking about, I saw Peter Lou and I was like, yeah, I should get into Mike Lee. And then I saw that very few other Mike Lee movies seem to be like Peter Lou. So then I yeah. just like sort of weirdly never got, but I always like put it off and never really got there. So I had never really watched another of his films till now. And yeah, I read, he gave an interview recently, right? Where he talked about how he had difficulty to find funding and that because he's he was touring around like a, a movie from like the mid 2000s that he made with like james corden right that's what he was talking about in that yeah interview. all or nothing all or nothing yeah yeah and that yeah and he goes into his process in that interview also and i was also surprised and i thought that it was a great like a very interesting process that i was fascinated by mm-hmm. and i was yeah. glad to watch these two movies so you haven't seen any besides Peter Lear and these two? No, I do not think so. Wow. Yeah. I, uh, as, like, a <laughs> fresh high school graduate, <laughs> was very into, like, buying Criterion movies. And uh, I was, like, I think at that time, uh, Naked and Life is Sweet and Topsy Turvy were all out. And I was like, I gotta buy these movies. They all look great. Topsy Turvy, also a weird one that, like, existed as uh exclusively like a dvd cover at my like rental store when i was a kid and i would it's like such a bright like colorful poster of them like both like stretching their hands out and there's a bunch of faces on it and i'd be like can i watch this and my parents were like i don't think you'd like it it's like <laughs> three hours long <laughs> and uh, i like never watched it so it was almost like a white whale in that way until i finally watched it 
but I think Naked was my first, and then, and I was like, this is like crazy as like watching it as like an eighteen year old, <laughs> and then Life is Sweet I watched uh, a little bit later, and I was like, oh, I'm like in love with this movie, <laughs> and I hadn't watched it again until the other day, uh, and it's like easily I think my favorite of his, but there's a few that I haven't seen still. Um, and then I just like similarly, like, uh, I think 2019, I was like trying to catch up on movies from the decade that I had missed and, uh, watched Mr. Turner for that. And was like, this is gorgeous. I, I remembered also like the dick poop controversy, uh, of when they were announcing, controversy. Uh, I mean, it's <laughs> the funniest thing of all time. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> Saying dick poop is, uh, there's no crazy. debating that she said it. It's on tape. No, no, no. The controversy it, yeah. of just like <laughs> calling a man dick poop <laughs> in the morning. Like, uh, <laughs> at, at what is theoretically his biggest moment? Yeah, truly. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then like, I thought that was like very good and looked insane. And then like caught up with Peter Lou and started i think i watched secrets and lies last year and then for this i was watching a few more i still have a f- few blind spots of phil but i think he's just like one of the guys like he i do prefer him in modern mode but i haven't seen like vera drake um but it he i think captures a specific like humor of like meanness in a weird way i need to rewatch naked because i remember that one being like pretty grisly uh but there's like stuff in secrets and lies where they like it's like a little bit less but they do like bits with each other it's like much more um forward and like meantime or career girls and life is sweet um but he uh he just is like he's gets such a the the process that we keep like talking about is he will like rehearse with everyone and like come up with ideas of just like he has an idea of a scenario and then they like work out like what these people would say and like characters only know what that character would know like not the whole story of the movie and they do all this weird stuff of just like practicing for weeks and like refining and refining and there's like an anecdote that i heard on some like criterion supplement for secrets and lies where he was like Leslie Manville like wasn't going to be in the movie at first <laughs> it was going to be some like guy and he was like it he said that he didn't think it could be like a man playing that part and then they uh he like got with Leslie Manville and like came up with a character and he was like that took a week and then I went on vacation and she did research into social workers and that was a week and then we got together with like her and Marion John Baptiste and like rehearsed it and uh refined that for a week and then they filmed that one scene on a week and i'm like that is so crazy for like uh, this one moment right. all this that and it was like a replace they had like shot the scene with the other guy I yeah 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 well. and so they like just they, yeah um but it's yeah. just so fascinating to see like that like that is like the process in action <laughs> mm-hmm. that like might be the craziest scene in that movie and that movie has so many crazy scenes but it's, that yeah. one manville scene is so nuts i was trying to find that isolated last night just to show my roommate because he's a big yeah. uh, thread head and so when he saw that i was <laughs> yeah, watching right. another year he's it's, like yeah, yeah. manville and i was like well you gotta see her like one scene in secrets and lies it's it, insane it's crazy to watch these movies with manville where like i had only known her from phantom thread and then it's like she is the most like, oh she can be a mess like she like yeah. right yeah i feel so like much sympathy for her in another year <laughs> 
And then, like, in, uh, in Secrets and Lies, obviously, she just get that one scene and she kills it. Um, Have any of you guys yes. seen High Hopes? No. Oh, that's, like, I think maybe the most underrated one. But she is sort of villainous in that one. And Oof. that's a fun turn for her, too. I can imagine. She can yeah. she can do it all. Yeah, she's the horrible <laughs> posh neighbor. Okay. Mm. Who's funny. so rude to the nice little leftist couple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Secrets and Lies. So it's at Cannes in 1996. Is this correct? Yeah. Um, wins the Palm d'Or. It does. And uh, Brenda Blethyn wins. She wins Best Actress, yes. Yes, we talked about um, this last week briefly. Yeah, we talked about <laughs> all the sort of double winners... Um, and this is, yeah, so Coppola is the president of this jury. You've got, like, Greta Scacchi, Michael Ballhouse, uh, Adam McGoyan, a bunch of other people on the, uh, on the jury. And then you've got movies like Breaking the Waves and Competition, uh, Cronenberg's Crash, Fargo, which, uh, we talked about Barton Fink last week, <laughs> and... Yeah, there's just like a bunch of uh, secrets and lies like is better than Fargo. Movie. I'll say that. Yeah. That's the I, kind yeah, of thing where if you said that on Twitter agree, a, like, a decade ago, a guy would scream at me. But sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yes, I certainly support you having that opinion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think that's a good take. I mean, yeah, Fargo it's, is listen. good. <laughs> uh, yes. So I guess, and and so yeah, it, it plays can it, it wins the palm. It does go on to get, like, six Oscar nominations that year. Yeah. Like, it has a good release. It's, like, very well oh. received across the board. Um, it doesn't win any of its Oscars, but there's, like, a lot of different, like, critics' prizes and stuff that it wins along the way. Blethyn um, gets the globe. Okay. Yes. Uh, she has a great like, globe speech. I, yeah, that's Ooh, funny. I, should watch I that. do have to I should check I that do, out. I do. Mike Lee also, I forget, like, he existed in my mind for so long as just, like, a guy who would get nominated for screenplay at the Oscars. Like, I remember sure. the happy-go-lucky year where it's, like, they do the bit where you see it written on the screen, like, as he's typing and, like, the dialogue's coming up. And uh, I was like, what is this movie? Like, right. it's all, like, pink. <laughs> and yeah. then uh, were the, never watching it. Were and the then, things typed out on the screen just, like, well, what if you do this this time? Uh, let's take a break. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah, let's five. try this. Let's <laughs> something, yeah. Yeah. Dictating yeah. the uh, rehearsals, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, it won a bunch of Baftas. Obviously, they liked it in in Britain. Um, yeah, just like it generally, it won best uh, foreign film at the Independent Spirit Awards. That's funny. Uh, that is funny. Um, yeah, just you know, a, a well received movie that uh, that ever that people were into. So uh, well received that it has a positive pickets section on its wikipedia which i've never seen before where it's like because it's so much about like adoption and like sealed birth oh, right. records that people who it's like i don't want to get it wrong but it's something like the bastard alliance they um, bastard nation is what it's bastard called. nation yes uh they were like this is so important to us like finally someone's making a movie about this and we should say also that it like what the movie is about. Right, the, I was I was I was trying to get into that, but go uh, ahead, go ahead. Sure. So it's uh yeah, it's the story of well, it's like it's you know it's a wide ranging story. There's a lot of different yeah. characters. It sort of spreads itself into a lot of different directions. But essentially, so you have um, Timothy Spall and Brenda Blethyn, our brother and sister. Uh, mm -hmm. And Timothy Spall has a family. 
uh, in like I guess the suburbs of London, right? He's like got a nice house and yeah, him and his wife. Um, uh, and they uh, and he's a photographer. He's like a studio photographer for yeah for people who just like come. Which I thought a lot about. Like, do they have those anymore? Like, can you just go to like a photo studio and have them take like yeah. Wedding Those scenes are or so good. There's yeah. a famous one in LA that a lot of people okay. go to as like a touristy thing to do, where there are these like pastel clouds. It's very Lisa Frank, mm-hmm. but sure, that's right. I do <laughs> know I do know this because this has been offered to me, and I've said no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So there, that that, and then Brenda Blevin lives like in the city in a in a in a flat um, with an outdoor lavatory, um, uh, and uh, she and ha- she has a adult daughter. Uh, who so and Brenda Blevin works at like a box factory in on the factory floor, yeah. and um, her daughter is like a street cleaner for the for the council, as they say. Um, and then also in the mix, you have Marianne Jean Baptiste, uh, who uh, we find out who, or we start the movie with. She has recently lost her mother. She's at you see her attending the funeral for her mother, uh, and then you find out pretty quickly she knows that she has was adopted as a child. She has this history, and so she. And recently the laws have changed where she is now able to search out and try to find her birth mother. It's not, it's no longer Mm -hmm. illegal for her to try to do this. So she meets with Leslie Manville in one scene, which we'll talk about more, I'm sure. uh, Mm -hmm. And to get like the information of like who her name was, who her, what her name is and stuff. Yeah. And reaches out and it turns out it's Brenda Blethyn, um, who is not expecting this. And they have, they have a very riveting phone call oh. when she calls and like first like tries to like be like I want to meet you uh and then they meet they you know Brenda Blethyn at first can't believe it she can't believe that she has a black daughter she like doesn't yeah. remember ever sleeping with a black guy uh and then uh it comes back to her and so she then they have you know they they start to build a relationship but Brenda Blethyn has kept this secret one of the titular secrets Here her whole life um, uh, from her family. No one really knows about this, so she doesn't like want her coming around and meeting her do- her other daughter and all that sort of stuff. Um, and eventually it culminates in this big barbecue where uh, Timothy Spall is like showing off his house uh, for Brenda Blethyn's other daughter's birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're having a barbecue in the backyard and like the um the the other daughter brings her like boyfriend and also the the secretary for the photoshop <laughs> is there like it's just like a bunch of characters and like Marianne Jean Baptiste comes under the guise of being Brenda Blethyn's friend from friend. work yeah uh which is a they have not thought through at all because then they no. have to like <laughs> explain what that she does and she's not prepared to do that um, and eventually all the secrets come out and, you know, they stop lying. Uh, and <laughs> you're really <laughs> pushing sort this of one, a, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> listen, it's an interesting title for this movie. I think like, I don't know, like I, it's probably not the title I would pick if I were creating the movie. Like what title would know. you Paul pick? says it. <laughs> he does say it. That's true. He does say it. Um, but yeah. So what do we want to talk about? Like in this movie, I mean, there's like so, so much. much to talk about. I was because I watched it a year ago, almost yeah. a day. I watched it last March, and uh, I was like, felt comfortable that I had like watched it recently enough that I would be fine. But I was like, maybe I'll just like watch a few scenes and then fully get sucked in and watch the whole thing yesterday. It is really and, like hypnotic. It really and pulls. It's like it's long as hell. It's like two and a half hours long, but it moves. And I was like, when I was watching, I was like, I can't believe these scenes 
happen in this order. <laughs> like, I was like, in my head, the barbecue's like halfway through. And then it's like the last scene. And I was like, this is crazy. Um, yeah. But there's so, like, I think that when I first watched it, I was like blown away by Brenda Bleth. And I like could not believe how good her performance was. That scene where she first meets Hortense outside like the train station or whatever. And she's like, oh, no, you, you have me, like, confused with somebody. And then she, like, realized it and is, like, laughing hysterically and crying and, like, facing the wall. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. And then also, like, you're saying all the phone call scenes are so good. Um, but then, like, the performance that stuck out to me the most this time was Spall, who I think is, like, mm-hmm. so warm. And there's, like, the scene, obviously, at the end where he sort of diffuses the situation. Or not diffuses. He sort of just, like expresses everything like right he's like we're gonna get this all out like we're just gonna like uh and then the girl from the photoshop is like i wish you were my dad and she's like crying (laughs) it's so funny but like all the scenes of him getting people to smile like the way that those are shot where it's just like holding on the people uh it's so nice and then there's also that scene with the lady with a scar on her face where he just keeps getting closer and closer and taking pictures of her Uh, And then, like, cuts from that straight into the guy who he, like, bought the shop from. Right. Um, And then, like, I think what I forgot about also is that the way that it plays out as just, like, big chunks of scenes, like, it really, Mm -hmm. you get so wrapped into, like, what is happening that when it cuts from, I think the scene with the scar is, like, right after they are, uh... Uh, Bledin and uh, Mary and John Baptiste are at the like diner for the first time, like sitting next to each other, and it's like that scene is so engrossing where you're just watching these two people talk, and it cuts to Timothy Spall. It's like, oh right, there's like other stuff happening. <laughs> like, yeah, I forgot that this is also a giant part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, the funny thing is, watching Spall in this movie, it took me like f- like three scenes for me to notice that it was Timothy Spall. Because I just remembered that, I guess, my the first time I ever saw him, I guess, was Harry Potter. And like his, his, <laughs> and I've only seen his roles after that. So I guess in my mind, Timothy Spall only exists as like a rat-looking man. Yeah. So uh, to yeah. see him as like a fully like warm, normal-looking person sort of threw me off. But he... Yeah, I really enjoyed his performance. I really enjoyed just how normal he seemed. Yeah, I guess that's another thing about why I never got into Mike Lee in the first place. Because I think often when you give me the pitch of these sort of like British dramas, they just seem like, oh, we're really going to talk about the problems of the working class. <laughs> and we're really going to get into these sorts of things. And I always expected them to be more heavy than either of these were. These are sort of just about people going through like just regular normal people stuff. And they're like funny and chill. And sometimes they'll get into deeper problems but they're i think that i was surprised by how pleasant they were to watch but also how excruciating i found the main yeah. characters of both movies to an incredibly relatable degree it's like uh i've been recently noticing i have been more aware of just how much of an anxiety disorder i have and i think these two movies star people star characters that really made me key into that <laughs> i'll say yeah, I mean, yeah, the Bleden character is, like, well, and the whole thing, like, in both of the movies, like, so much of this movie is, like, people, how, fa- how far will people go to, like, maintain, like, 
a social convention that everything is nice and fine and like how much will they ignore to like keep up the small talk or whatever like how far mm-hmm. will that go? which i think is especially like in british cultures like yeah, a, really it's a very fascinating thing to fa- like... to examine certainly on lee's part and like the way that like brenda blethin like is clear is like almost never okay in any scene that you see her in. She's always like fluttering and like shaking and like seems like she's about to like lose it on like yeah. a near constant basis and like that like the uh, the breeze blowing in the wrong direction would cause her to like really lose her grip <laughs> on reality entirely. Uh, but then everyone is just like, yeah, like let's <laughs> you want a cup of tea like all that like and like and and I mean like I was so fascinated. Marianne Jean-Baptiste, I think, is really incredible in this movie. Yeah. And the scene, like, you see early on the scene with her where she's doing her optometry with the kid. And she's really, like, warm and, like, has a pleasant conversational sort of repartee with the kid and is, like, really good at that. And then the contrasting that with the scene with Brenda Blethyn where they're both sitting at the in the in the diner on the bench mm-hmm. together and like just to both have their cups of tea they're not facing each other she's sharing her documents or whatever and is like trying to establish this relationship but like how much she doesn't try to like comfort or like reassure Brenda Blethyn or anything like she'll like Brenda Blethyn like is constantly like having these like um, huge emotional outbursts or whatever or like try or trying to keep a lid on them or whatever like she's like she's really struggling in that scene and marianne jean baptiste is like giving her space to do that and like but continuing on with her questions and not necessarily being like oh it's okay like let me reassure you or anything like that which i found a really fascinating choice and a really fascinating character dynamic to examine between the two of them in that scene my entry point was spall one of Mm -hmm. my one of my friends on Letterboxd, the great Jake Bart, just said something along the lines of, like, there's never been a character which, with such honest everyday goodness. And was like, <laughs> it's maybe one of the great normal guy roles that's yeah. ever been committed to screen. So that's sort of what brought me in to Secrets and Lies initially. I feel like on my first watch, I could, like, hardly look at Blethyn. Because that character feels so raw right. and so intense. And I have, we'll talk about this later, but I have a very similar experience to, like, Manville in oh, sure. another year. Where it's like, I almost cannot even, like, watch this character yeah. exist in the yeah. world. It's too painful. And it made me think about just, like, all the movement. And, like, what an exhausting performance this must be. Like, when it comes to, like, twitchy, tick-based performance, like, I'm often inclined to think of, like... Kira Knightley in a dangerous method. Obviously, that's like the worst possible example of this in a performance that I think is good, but to have this like extremely mannered but frantic way of just like living in the world is is such an overwhelming thing to bear witness to. And so I, I kind of find that I have to like refocus my line of vision often when watching these, just because if I like bore in too hard to the person feeling everything in a scene, all as an empath, you know, like I'll go insane. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she, it's like the, the birthday scene is like such uh, an odd use of like tension, 
where everyone is talking constantly and mm-hmm. everyone's moving around. Like, Spall's, like, dumping burgers and sausages into a bowl. Like, he gets that gigantic stick to the guy. And then, like, the Photoshop girl, like, pulls, like, the party popper. And it's just like, everyone needs to chill the fuck out. Yeah, you don't need to be doing yeah. everything constantly. I love and, Roxanne's boyfriend. Oh, Paul? yeah, he's really funny. <laughs> yeah, Paul. Like, also a great normal guy. That you're like, yeah, is, yeah. is someone's going to be up with him? No, he's fine. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, right. It's, at first it's like, is he bad news? And it's like, no, he's solid. No, he's yeah. Fine. It's <laughs> like when he has that conversation with Spall and he's like, oh, yeah, that's a nice job. And he's like, yeah, if you can get it. Like, I take the work where I can. Like, I'm a roofer or whatever. Yeah, that's all. I think what's like, oh, he's all right. Kind of compelling about um, Lee's work is like someone who's bad news in the Lee film, you know pretty quick. And if you're yeah. like, I'm not sure, they're probably fine. Well, yeah, there was, I didn't get to read through it, but there's a book by Ray Carney about the sort of pre, I think like pre-topsy-turvy work of Lee. And there's just like a quote that I found where he talks about how like in Mike Lee movies, it's hard to like find almost in like a moral gray area way where it's like no one is always like right or wrong. Like everyone like contradicts themselves and can be, like, good and do something bad also. And I think, similarly, like, when someone is, like, representing, like, a full sense of, like, badness, you can sniff it out really quickly, like you're saying. But then the way that everyone else is, like, just has, like, in another year, uh, the guy, Ken, who, like, is just, like, a normal sad guy, and then he, like, tries to, like, make a move on Manville in the car. It's like, Jesus, man, like, stop, (laughs) like don't do that and it's like everyone can just be like good and bad and like sad and mean like it's a really fascinating thing that he's able to do and like secrets and lies uh there are moments where it's like you are being like so (laughs) impossible to deal with brenda blevin just be nice (laughs) and Mm -hmm. uh it's just yeah it's just like a very interesting thing to watch yeah and i'll say blessing i think at the beginning I sort of was sort of put off by that performance because I felt like yeah. it was sort of it, it felt very loud to me it felt very like it felt al- almost like performatively raw to me and then eventually as she, her relationship with Marianne Jambes grows and it sort of gets grounded into something that I find I found very compelling and great but that entire barbecue scene at the end is just it's just so good because I think she's playing something that I think I rarely see in movies that I often think about in real life that I often do in real life which is being a person who claims that they are really good at keeping a secret and that they want to keep a secret <laughs> but they really just want to say whatever they have yeah. in the palm of their hands. They just are completely incapable of being like having any subtlety about the thing. They're just begging to be asked the question to the detriment of everybody there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that, And then she's just, like, crying, and, like, uh, Hortense comes back from the bathroom, and she's like, what happened? And she's like, it wasn't supposed to come out like this. Mm-hmm. And just fully weeping. Uh, the thing that I, like, didn't remember from my first viewing and, like, really was, like, not impressed by it, but just, like, uh, happy with was, like, there's that scene after she like first it's maybe after she first calls her before she first calls Blethyn where she's uh, just like hanging out with her friend and like talking about like the sort of day to day and like 
I think it really, uh, while the movie is like so much about her and Blethyn's relationship in a similar way to where you get like a lot of dimension with like Spall and like uh, the relationship to Blethyn's uh, daughter that she lives with, there is a like very decent amount of time given to Hortense like f- grieve her mom that just died and it's like you would maybe think that something like that would fall to the wayside when it's like about her finding her like birth mother and uh, w- when I was like listening to that supplement he talks about that when they were like sending it to Can they wanted to cut that scene just because it was like two black women having a conversation. They were like, this will not play in France. And he was like, no, we can't cut that. Are you kidding me? Like, this is the scene. And then when I was watching, I was like, it is, this is great. This is like just filling out this character more and more and more. Yeah, you do. Yeah. That's like, you really do all the characters. You see how their environment affects their like way Mm -hmm. of being and their, then their like, and their way of interacting with other people. And like, they really are like allowed to be very different and like very inconsistent depending on like what the circumstances surrounding them are, which is like something like, I think it's really, that's a tough thing to achieve in like a dramatic piece of storytelling where you want to ensure that you have like unity of character, that the characters seem like they're consistent, well thought out. And I, I imagine it is a byproduct of this like intense rehearsal creative process that mm-hmm. he uses where they really like dig deep into all these really nooks and crannies that like most of it won't come up directly in the story of the movie, but it is all stuff that they have. They internalize to some degree that they are pulling on when they are actually doing the scenes that they have, you know, chosen to, to finally create and rehearsed and all that. Like they have all this stuff to pull on that allows them to be, to feel multidimensional instead of just as like different, like disconnected characters in different scenes. Yeah. I do think also, um, Spall's wife, who's played by Phyllis Logan, that stuff. I, I also sort of forgot about of like her own issues and like their, uh, like ability or I guess, they're 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 they aren't able to like have children and it's like this small like running thread where there's that scene when he gets home and he's like do you want like wine and she's like no i'm having milk like don't give me a wine glass give me a highball glass it's milk and then like they're just sort of going back and forth and she's like really just going through it and uh it's like just an interesting thing to have in the back pocket of that barbecue scene where you know the main thrust is like okay, don't let the secret out that this is your daughter. <laughs> like, And then there's also that that he just drops after everyone's like letting everything out. Yeah, that's like one of those things in that like everyone's allowed to exist with like gray areas that she comes in, has a horrible vibe at the start yeah. of the film. And it's like, yeah, someone who like behaves like this and feels this way probably is not feeling good about themselves. Yeah. And probably there's a reason for that and we'll get into it. He's so humane with her, even though she's kind of a drag, which I think is yeah. so sweet. Usually, in, I feel like usually in the Lee film, the truly sort of like irritable or irritating or awful characters have either gone through a lot or they're just very wealthy, which is like yeah. fine by me, a good way to delineate moral character, it's, I think. It reminds me a lot of, like, this is a movie that we didn't watch for the episode, so I won't talk about it a lot, but I did just rewatch Life is Sweet, and uh, the Jane Horrocks character, who's, like, just going through it so hard and is putting up such walls with everybody, 
that the way that it gets broken down, like even from like second one where it's like, he is just making a fuss about like not eating in the same room with everybody and just like fully being uh, like rude, like to everyone's faces. But then there's just still that like inherent love that they have for each other. And I think there's a similar thing with Spall and his wife where it's like, she's being unpleasant, but like he still loves her and he still has to like, show that love and you feel that through Lee's filmmaking and the writing and everything. I did also want to say the score, uh, which a lot of Lee movies I think have very good scores. Uh, Andrew Dixon did this when he does a lot of them. Um, except for career girls, which is crazy. The score is done by Mary and John Baptiste, which when that credit came up, I was like, this is insane. <laughs> um, but it, it's like a very like horn heavy and the way that it like, adds to the tension of certain scenes and adds to like the the emotional weight of like this is just like dragging you down this sort of like mournful horns and like these guitars it's uh it's really good yeah for sure i mean i guess if i were to say what my one problem with secrets and lies is which i think is a minor problem it's not like something that i hold that too much against the movie is that i do think it kind of can end up feeling too clean sometimes at, 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 like at times in that almost like every person's problem is a reflection of somebody else's problem in like a mirror in like opposite way and it's like well she can't have children well this other lady has too many children and that's her weird problem <laughs> and it's like she is like Marianne Job Baptiste is trying to like figure out what she feels about motherhood and like what her real mom means to her while at the same time Brenda Bleffin is struggling to feel like a real mother to her actual child and it, and when it comes to a head out at the end it is compelling just because the scene is like crafted in such a compelling way but I can't help I couldn't help but think like it it is interesting just how clean this all fits in together for a movie that feels just like so real and lived in that is the one like touch that felt like a little writerly to me does anyone have any more thoughts on Secrets and Lies before we move on to another um, year? I guess, uh, yeah, the other I, the other thing, we haven't talked necessarily a ton about, like, the style of the filmmaking and stuff. Like, there are, like, it is just, like, a lot of long takes and, like, yeah, stationary yeah. cameras. And, you know, Dick Pope is the, as the aforementioned Dick Pope is his cinematographer for both these movies. Um, and, yeah, it really, like, they, they, they do, like, and especially, like, there is a lot of business, especially in that last barbecue scene mm -hmm. where, like, everyone is, like, constantly up and down and getting this and getting that and, like, giving this food to this person and yeah. passing the salt or what. Like, they're doing so much business and it really, the camera really just does sort of stay back and just, like, capture it all. And it's, like, staged, like, you know, it's, it's. It's it does feel almost play like at times, especially because like they're sitting in like a half circle around, and there's not yeah. not anyone sitting with their back to the camera for most of that scene because uh, it's uh, Timothy Small's chair and he's like up and at the grill and stuff. So yeah, I really I you know I think and and like yeah and the and the centerpiece scene with uh, John Baptiste and Bledin at the at the um at diner. the diner is also similarly like it's yeah. just them in a two shot like held pretty wide like not not a lot of cuts and anything and they're just sort of like existing with each other and you really like see the characters like exist in this space and it's yeah. uh it's really cool but then there's that crazy bit at the uh when spall's like having his big like 
emotional monologue where it like cuts that close up of him and it's like tilted. It's so crazy. Like because the movie is so like stayed for the mm-hmm. the most part that like any sort of shift. I think there's also like a crazy shot of them driving where it's like on the like side view mirror of the car. Um, yeah. yeah. Popes, Popes get the juice. I think it's a quite beige movie, um, mm-hmm. which I think adds to it. Yeah. Um, but both movies are incredibly blocked. I think I, no- I noticed it more with another year because, but that I think is just because mm-hmm. that is the second one I watched. And by then it sort of got to me how excellent he is at like crafting those scenes. So they're, yeah. So they're long. You get these moments of performance that, you probably wouldn't get if it was more edited to pieces that specific like that diner scene i was like this is this must have been excruciating to shoot and make that seems so difficult to just like con both conjure up those emotions and just have a just like camera pointed at you for that long and not be able (laughs) to feel any escape or relief from that which is like a very effective technique to capture what that scene is trying to get it's just like the incredible awkwardness of the, the push and pull of both people trying to reconcile what they want out of this relationship and how far they're willing to allow it to progress. Yeah. But yeah. So then he, you know, we talked about it a little bit that it does pretty well. Obviously it wins Palm Dorn, wins Best Actress, all the yeah. sort of awards that Andy had listed earlier. And then he makes a few movies in between uh, this and another year which is his 2010 he's back at can uh, i mean well veer drake won at uh at venice it won the golden lion um and happy go lucky was obviously also well regarded um but yes in 2010 he's back it's the year that uncle booed me wins uh the the tim burton jury you've got people like kate beckinsale benicio del toro Alexander Desplat, also on the jury. Imagining and, uh, Tim Burton watching a Michael. That is like what was coursing through my mind. I'm like, what does yeah. Tim Burton even do with a Mike Lee movie? Right. I, I bet, I bet they all had fun watching it. <laughs> they all had fun. I wonder what Kate Beckinsale thought of Boon Me. I bet she loved it. She's like a genius. She's crazy. She's got a great social media presence. She's got one of our kookiest vibes, but I really do think she might be, like, profoundly intelligent. <laughs> uh, no, please, yeah. She's... Uh, yeah, Benicio also, I wonder... It's just one of those things where it's like, what did they all think? <laughs> right. Were there... Yeah, what What were the contentious movies? What were... What uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was about? there, like, a lot of debate? I mean, yeah, because you also get, like, the Inarritu movie, Beautiful That Year, Certified Copy... Uh, the Doug Lyman movie Fair Game, which is a crazy inclusion. Um, the Takeshi Katano movie Outrage. Uh, I think yeah, there's a Ken Loach there. There's um that uh, Lee Chang Dong movie Poetry, but yeah, um, another year does not win anything, and it gets nominated for screenplay at the Oscars again. Yeah, screenplay, and that's it. Um, it. It gets, you know, a, f- a fair amount of, like, you know, British nominations, European sure. nominations. Uh, not as much. There's, like, a couple of, like, like Leslie Manville won Supporting Actress at San Diego Film Critics Society. Supporting? Uh, yeah. It's, it's, I guess it's weird, but, I mean. Yeah, so Manville weird. got a few nominations. Looks like Broadbent got one for at, at, like, the British 
at the London Film Critics Circle. Um, Manville, she jumps between Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress sure. in these categories, <laughs> wherever she fits. Uh, yeah, um, which I guess makes some amount of sense. It's a you know, it's a support, it's a ensemble movie, so people always yeah. just do whatever they want with an ensemble movie. Um, I guess it's an but ensemble yeah. movie. It, that's weird. It's it's weird because it is so like episodic in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, like in it's an ensemble movie when Manville isn't in it. I guess. Yeah. The three central characters are Sheen, Broadbent, and Manville. They're right. the only ones who are in every part, right? You guys all caught Ruth Sheen in Secrets and Lies. For her, no, just... oh, she's one of the photo people, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I love her. Cool. She might be my favorite Lee player, and that's like outside wow. of Broadbent, who like is my ultimate sort of standum. But yeah, High Hopes really did a number on me. I gotta see it. I gotta fill those gaps. Um, but yeah, another year. Do you want to talk about the plot, Andy? Uh, sure. So another year takes place over the course of a year. You've, it's uh, seasonal, <laughs> seasonally labeled. We visit each quarter. Um, yeah, uh, Q one uh, really popped off yeah, in another lo- year. Love a, love a quarterly movie. Um, uh, and uh, so it's the story of uh, you have Tom and Jerry. Very good. Already yes. on board. <laughs> Very good. Um, who are a geologist and like a psychiatrist, counselor, some sort of yeah, like mental like, health yeah. professional. Um, he's the geologist and then she's the, yeah. Uh, who like are just like great. They're just like two great. They get it all figured out. (laughs) Found each other and are great together and like have a, had a nice family. They have adult children who seem to be functioning very fairly well. They have a big network, but they have a lot of friends who don't quite have a, not a, not a single thing I can relate to there, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, so you meet, so the main, the other, like, Leslie Manville is the other main character, Mary, uh, who works at a, who, who's like, um, Jerry's receptionist, yeah, Yeah. um, like, administrative assistant, uh, and, uh, she is, like, having a rough go of it, she's, like, she, she, you find out she's divorced, Mm -hmm. she doesn't have a ton of money, she's not the most stable person, but, they're really good friends to her and like really supportive of her and like, will help her out and listen to her and all that sort of thing. They have several other friends who you meet and sort of see like how they have a great relationship, but that they, they are not necessarily happy. They have an adult son who's like in his early, th- he's like 30 um, who at the start of the film is still like single and he's working as like a, he assists people with like their landlord legal yeah. situations. Um, uh, and then, you know, time passes. Uh, Leslie Manville, I guess, is the one with the most like. She has the most like change throughout the movie. Like, Tom and Jerry are basically pretty stable throughout. They're just like rock solid the whole time, yeah, essentially. I mean... Um, and so like, yeah, Mary, like, she has this whole ordeal with her buying a car, Ugh. and she this is what my letterbox review is about, but like, yeah. she like cannot shut up about buying the car and what the car is going to do for her and like all that sort of stuff. And then it turns out the car was not a wise investment and like, it has a lot of problems and she, you never hear the end of it. Um, uh, she, uh, makes some clumsy passes at their son it's to try so to, <laughs> to, try God, to forge a romantic, romantic connection in that way. He does not really, 
But he also is such it. a dick like, about it. He like right, yeah. just is get a line for everything she says. Right. Uh, doesn't seems to be crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I fully when, I mean this is later, but the scene with his late his girlfriend, <sighs> I truly just walked away from the TV and made a lunch so... while the scene was playing. I did not pause it at all. <laughs> I just let it happen. It's so hard to watch when yeah. she's like. She's like, why would you assume I'm a secretary? And everyone's like, you are. It's like, why do you say that? Just, uh, it's just be chill out. Yeah. Get out of your um, way. Right. So it's like, yeah, it goes throughout time. Uh, uh, Jim Broadbent's brother's wife dies for the last quarter is like, yeah. And you finally, you've heard about him like a couple of times earlier, He's Darby but fan. then he enters the movie. He's played by uh, David Bradley. Um mm-hmm. Uh, and so the last act is really just dealing with the fallout of that funeral and like the, the life changes that like, and so, yeah. So yeah, the, the son has like found a long-term girlfriend by this point and Leslie Manville is still like, can't get it together and seems profoundly unhappy. Um, and just doesn't quite know what, what to do, um, is sort of the story of it all. Right. Like, how does it, like, is there anything at the ending that's like, I mean, she just sits there as everyone has fun around her. Yeah. She's like, I'm fucking brutal. I'm still still stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Another year Um, of her life passes. Another year. Where she thought she was going to make big changes and she was going to figure it all out. And then it turns out that she was kind of being selfish and then she just needs to put it off again. (laughs) Yeah. It's um, the look on your face right yeah, now. <laughs> not making eye contact staring, with the camera. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's really good. It, it's uh, it's yeah. the face she's making at the end. Yeah, yeah, she yeah, is just like, it's so it's brutal. I mean, everything. It's similar to Blevin how she's like, yeah, doesn't stop moving and like that first scene with her and Sheen when they're like at the bar or whatever, and she's like. Oh, but I'll get a car. Oh, and I'll do this. Like, we'll just back and forth, back and forth. Mm-hmm. And Sheen and Broadman both are so, like, calming with the, like, more thorny presences in their life. Like, uh, Sheen is just fully just like, well, you know, you shouldn't do that, maybe. You're like, do you think that's a good idea? <laughs> like, the entire time. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. And then, like, yeah, it's just yeah. by, like, with a smile. She tries like, to get everybody sort of to go to therapy. She's like, yeah. yeah. It's very helpful. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, they're just good people. There is a weird thing, though, when I was watching it, because I watched it earlier this year, and I just kept thinking about how the movie is, like, about talking about people when they aren't around, and it fully, there's so many scenes where it's, like, uh, they could just, like, hear this conversation, maybe. Like, they could, like, walk in, and, like, there's the bit where they're at, similarly in Secrets and Lies, they have a barbecue at one point, and uh, Manville's like, oh, like I'll, I'll smoke outside. And it's like, there's a baby that's like too close to you. We have to move the baby. It's like, don't move the baby. And then it's like the guy who is kind of like a dumpy guy is like, oh, I'll smoke with you. Like have one of my cigarettes. And Manville doesn't like him. And she's like, no, like get out of my face. And it's just like, everyone is weirdly like pointy with each other. It's so yeah. It's just so crazy. While also being very polite at all times. Well, yeah, so, and it's, yeah. like, the, the the out front, like, outward politeness, and then, like, the second one of them is out of earshot, like, Manville is, like, talking to Sheen about uh, that guy, Ken, I, I think Peter White is the actor's name, mm-hmm. and uh, she's just like, yeah, he could be, like, handsome, like, the gray hair is not a problem, he just, like, doesn't have together, and it's like, you also don't have together, like, you need to, like, just be... <laughs> kinder but it is just that thing of like 
talking shit when no one's around or like yeah. out of earshot. It's just so yeah. I it's mean, so, like true. Both, it's so real. Both movies sort of come to this like these like resolutions that are both people having to be like we've allowed this to go on for too long. We need to have a conversation <laughs> yeah. about what's happening yeah. and we need to <laughs> confront this because if not, we're just gonna. This is not gonna head in the correct direction. I think of another year in Happy Go Lucky really inseparably mm-hmm. um, because I think both of them are kind of about like happiness privilege mm-hmm. and who gets to be and stay happy versus who doesn't. Sure. And I think in Happy Go Lucky, you have the thing of like that movie teaches you how to like the Sally Hawkins character. If you don't initially, I think you mm-hmm. warm to her over the course of it and yeah. you watch her sort of like her changing attitudes and techniques with the um with the eddie marson drivers teacher but like i feel a bit the first time i watched this i had this like really uncomfortable push and pull between like loving ruth sheen and jim broadbent in this and being like this is couple goals they're the greatest people (laughs) of all time and being like so frustrated and mad at them because i think if you're in the position of manuel you Manville, you probably also fucking hate these people. Yeah, right. And you feel talked down to and condescended by them. And I think there's a whole way to watch this and just be like, fuck these two people. They have everything. It just got handed to them. And I think sort of the key to that is the fact that their son is kind of annoying and shitty Mm -hmm. in the way that like someone who's like not really had to want for very much yeah often winds up being and the fact that their son is kind of just like a little shit that they're just like ah, that's just how he is sort of yeah. says everything about them to me even though i love yeah. i love them in it i love all of broadbent's aprons yeah he he's, does wear a lot of aprons he's a good cook he's a broadbent, thread throughout it's funny because he's so it's like a i don't know it's not totally dissimilar but not totally similar either to his character in life is sweet but he the way that he like does weird jokes and like a very sort of British sensibility of like uh, when he jumps on the guy's back and it's like uh, he's like so old and he's like doing like stag do bits or whatever. And like there's the bit also where the son is like, yeah, like another friend of mine's getting married or whatever. And they're like, Oh, where are you going this time? Like uh, Barcelona or whatever. And he's like, no, we're going to Dublin. And it's like, Oh, this, yeah. Like you're saying this guy just, goes on vacation a lot to like hang out with his friends and like they go golfing yeah very luxurious lifestyle yeah they have their allotment that they tend to and it's like if i mean obviously we're talking about how broadbent is is like very like nice and charming and their son is kind of a shit but if there's like a through line between the both of them that they both sort of seem to have a quippy response for literally anything Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. with broadbent Mm -hmm. I guess just due to his age and due to being Jim Broadbent, you just sort of play like, oh, that's very charming. That's like he lets these things sort of bounce off of him and he doesn't really, they don't really seem to burden you or like bother you. But with the son, it's a little more annoying. And yeah, I think it is fascinating to try and consider those characters from the point of view of just like, well, they have no personal investment in the sort of difficulties that manville and even their his brother but david bradley have are sort of going for and the like i think that section at the end with just manville bradley is sort of fascinating from that point of view of of them just like just wondering what they think of each other and then just sort of commiserating in their misery i guess yeah 
There's also, like, there's the bit, I think it's in the first section, where Manville is, like, drunk at their house mm-hmm. and, like, talking about getting a car and everything. And, like, you're saying, like, Broadbent has a response to everything. And at one point, Gene's like, okay, like, we get it. And then uh, he's, like, at the end, is he, he's like, uh, now time for some coffee. And he, like, says it really loud. And uh, then they, like, have to coerce her into, like, sleeping at their house and not going on the train or whatever. But even, like, the tone that Sheen takes when she's like, we'll find you a t-shirt again. Yeah. It's so, like, shut up. You know you yeah. have, like, one t-shirt <laughs> yeah. lying around. That's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, something I did forget to mention that I wanted to make sure I brought up is that this movie starts in the best way a movie could possibly start, which is with a terse, grumpy Imelda Staunton oh with my a bad God. haircut. Yes. Yeah. Just, like, refusing to give an inch as she tries to get sleeping pills. I had to <laughs> sort of, like, look away from that, too, where I was like, I, I, this also, yeah. like, hurts my... F- and that's, like, if that is tough to watch, like, imagine that's that's Vera Drake for two hours. Oof, except she's God. also crying. I mean, I was gonna say, like, Brenda Blethyn crying for the whole last hour of Secrets and Lies is, like, what all of Vera Drake is, which might be one of the all-time great movies, but watching that is, like... I say as much on Letterboxd, it's the closest I've ever come to, like, punching a wall, and, like, I, I don't know that I could, like, go through it again. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to Google, yeah. is Vera Drake okay, not remembering that she is fictional. That's very good. That's great. But, yeah, you get two scenes of Staunton, essentially, in this movie. You get absolutely no resolution to her journey whatsoever. She, you know, she has her initial scene with a different doctor who, where she's, like, just trying to get sleeping pills, and the doctor's like, you need to see a psychologist or whatever and then she has one scene with uh ruth sheen where she is mm-hmm. trying to help her and like give her counseling and she like will not give an inch as far as like answer like she will not play ball at all with any of her premises or any of her approaches or anything yeah, where she's like what would you do if like your daughter needed like was going through a similar issue and she's like i tell her to eat more <laughs> like <laughs> right yeah um, uh, I think also the 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 doctor at the beginning and like the friend from the barbecue. She's the friend from Secrets and Lies as well. I think it's the same actress. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's really wait um, which which one? The she's the lady who's like pregnant at the beginning with Staunton, and then it's her baby at the barbecue. Oh. I think she's uh, Marion John Baptiste's friend in Secrets and Lies. Ah, uh, gotcha. Um, the random but, Tom Tom friend played by Phil Davis or Davies is the male lead in High Hopes. So it's nice okay. when me and Ruth Sheen get their little moment on the bench together. They're the yeah, yeah, couple. Yeah, yeah, That's mm-hmm. funny. Yeah, I guess uh, the son in this is also in Happy Go Lucky. Just through um, looking at... I'm oh, yeah, uh, he's the... Oh, yeah, he's actually got a great little role of the maybe the most me character in it which is that sally hawkins sister is having a baby and he's like the sister's husband who's like still trying to play playstation and she's like we're gonna have a baby in a couple months you need to like stop playing video games and he's like i can still play video games (laughs) yeah i'll make it work yeah (laughs) where she's like put your playstation away (laughs) yeah fran says with a gamer chair in the background I know, I think about it a lot. Do you want to talk about it? It's not my chair, but we can talk about it. I, 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 I have been thinking of nothing else since you joined the call. This comes up in every single video call that the, I'm in. The, it's not my chair. It's my it's my roommate's chair. But I, yes, we have a gamer's apartment. Yeah. Um, the light, the, 
Listen, I also have a light-up PC. (laughs) I I can't... Do we want to talk about uh, the Twitch setup, obviously, in the background? I I have a light-up keyboard, but I can't have that and the mic plugged in at the same time. But I don't use the keyboard for gaming, weirdly enough. I just use it because the the MacBook keys hurt my my wrist. (laughs) And that's on aging, Um, you know? um, We're all doing uh, it. Yeah, it's the year of the gamer. Um, that's I can't say any more about this right now. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> worse than talking about Joe Swanberg. <laughs> um, the uh, the scene I, I think it's uh, near the beginning when they're like first, like after they uh, get back and they're like working on the garden and it's just like Broadman's like it's gonna rain soon and then it just like starts raining and they're sitting there like having their tea and it's like yeah this is so pleasant this would be so nice to sit in like an english rainy garden um yeah. that is one, and that's one of the main ways that we track the seasons is like what they're doing in their garden yeah yeah and every yeah. quarter like there's a, a quarterly visit to the garden to see like what projects they're working get the on. allotment ready yeah the um that's also the scene where the girlfriend is there they do the weird bit where they're like hiding in the house and Broadway's right. just like, Ugh. and he's like, surprise, I have a girlfriend now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and she's like, so into it also. The girlfriend's really funny. Um, I liked her scene, a lot in it. The she's... scene with her and like the way that Manville's just so mean to her where she's it's like, it's so funny. <laughs> uh, she's like, uh, I grew up near like where you live, like in Croydon. And she's like, I went to college in Croydon. She's like, Oh, what one? She's like, Croydon College. <laughs> it's like you idiot. But <laughs> yeah, that, but that so... is also one of the great dramatic dynamics of just a person who cannot be bothered. A person who yeah, she doesn't learn her name at all. She keeps calling her the wrong name, and she keeps correcting. She's like, "It's Katie." Yeah, and and Mandel yeah. just continues to throw stuff at her, like the secretary thing you said earlier. And she's just like, "Oh, oh well, great." And it, and that is just yeah, and she's so infuriating. Trying to be nice. Yeah, and then well, and you get she else she is the same way also a little bit with the brother who's like a man of few words. Yeah. and like there's like she has a whole bit with him about like what football team they support or whatever and she mm-hmm. like has material on that and he's just like yeah i think they'll be okay or what like he doesn't has have a any actor on the been more successful moving less than david bradley <laughs> i mean he's just i wonder what was his career like as a young actor is what i'm curious about See, like hopping around that's what i think yards. about broadbent too i'm like what was broadbent doing pre-secrets and or not secrets and lies uh, uh, life, is ha- life is sweet yeah because i yeah even in that him at like 39 or 40 i'm like okay well this is the broadbent we know now right. <laughs> yeah i mean when i was rewatching uh life is sweet he looks so much like randy quaid i couldn't oh stop God, thinking about stop. it uh, <laughs> and i it just is all i could think about that i was like <laughs> I said it on Twitter that America's Jim Broadbent is Randy Quaid, and that's why we're so far behind. <laughs> um, but he, yeah, he's. It's like a similar thing to um, the uh, the the scene with the, the girlfriend where she uh, is just being so aggressive, and then like later on, uh, where Sheen's like, "You were like such a bad person to the girlfriend," and that's like the scene that you're saying, Amelia, where they have to reckon with it. Um, the uh there's also the bit where um she uh uh the guy ken is like because you have manville in that first section in the spring section where it's like okay this person sort of like shuffles their life around a lot and then it's like the friend ken is just coming there to like have that golfing weekend in the summer and then 
he gets there and he like hugs Ruth Jean too hard and uh, he's like I gotta go to the bathroom and like is sort of clamming around and like he is in another one he's also in uh, Secrets and Lies I think he's in one of the photo uh, photo like photography scenes like just one of the family members uh, right. and he's I think he's really good he's got like a great like sad sack presence and there's like the bit where he is talking about like how the youth are taking over the bars and like people used to go to the pubs and they don't anymore. And it's like his sort of, I guess him and Manville both have their sort of blatant alcoholism in a way. And his is like much more, you see him like stumbling around and like, he's constantly like going to the bathroom on the golf course. But there's also like, like we're, we were saying earlier, like there's the love that Broadbent has for him where like, he yells as he's golfing and he's like, I knew you were going to do this. You do this every time. And then, uh, like after Sheen is like getting ready for bed and he's like out with, uh, Ken still, he's like, listen, we'll like, we'll do a, we'll do a trip. We'll like go do a pub crawl or something. Like we'll hang out. And he's like, no, I'm serious. Like we'll hang out. And it's really like sweet. And then you have, uh, this, the scene at the, the barbecue where Manville's like not giving him the time of day yeah. and instead is like flirting with Ruth Jean's son as they're all three on a bench together. Yeah, that seems crazy. Though, I will say like you you were sort of weirded out by I mean not, I mean you were just, you responded earlier to how like weirdly mean she, she um, Leslie Manville is to him in that scene, but it is also funny because like when he first shows up he like has a suit on and he has his hair and he's like an older <laughs> man, but you look at him and you're like, oh, he could be like uh, he's just like a normal, he's like a normal guy. guy. Yeah. He's a little handsome. He's clearly charming. Maybe the, him and Manville can figure something out. And then they cut to the barbecue, then, and he's wearing like a thirty-year-old t-shirt, and his hair looks insane. Yeah, and like the bad track pants. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, buddy, you're not helping yourself here. Yeah. Uh, but then there's also like she's so ready to give the son a ride to the train station or whatever, and then she's like don't get in the car and like when she drops him off she's like don't leave don't leave don't leave and then he's like let me get in the front seat with you and she's like we don't have the time for this and it's like just being so aggressive yeah. like th- this there- is the similar thing to like talking about people when they aren't in the room of him he's like just has to sit through this torture of manville like being so aggressive with them yeah I mean, very good third wheeling depiction. Just very good. Just yeah, very good. Yeah. Like people not be people being not where people don't want them to be. Yeah. Just like clearly standing but, uh, out, making everybody's life a little more difficult. It's it just it's funny to see, and also completely but, excruciating to a soul destroying extent for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. where there's also like you feel so bad for Manville at that like barbecue garden party where the guy's like, how big is your engine? And she's like, I don't know, like this big. And everyone's laughing at her and she like, doesn't get it. And it's like, Oh, why would you just uh, don't ask her this? <laughs> Leave her alone. <laughs> Who cares how big your engine is? And then like when Broadbent is like putting them all in the car, he's like, Hey, just so you know, it's like oh, a 410 or whatever. Yeah, 1.4. The, the most excruciating version of that is when she asked their son, Oh, how old do you think I look? And he's like sixty oh. or seventy, and she just like and her face just drops. <laughs> and, and then, then she she like, starts laughing. She's like, "Oh no no, but don't worry about it." And I was just like, "Yeah, oh, I was just breaking yeah, down." No no, I'm good. I'm good. That's really funny. Yeah, you got me for sure. <laughs> that, was, that wasn't devastating at all. Yeah, <laughs> just, and then she's like. 
talking about what he names his body parts. It's so awful. And he's like, he do, but that is the thing that sucks about this guy is he keeps like leading her on almost. Like he's just like too game to do the bits and like, d- like you're saying, you're really like has a response for everything. Yeah. It's just so, so well, I mean, so yeah. Also, in yeah. his defense, I think what he's playing is just like not humoring. Yeah. But also, I think he just sort of like doesn't fully realize it. Right. Sure. He, this is like this is a woman he's known since he was like ten years yeah. old. Well, yeah, probably, that's the right? scene yeah, also like, when they're with the girlfriend and she's like, "Yeah, we consider you his aunt," and she's like, "But no, we've had like we've had a lot of special moments," and they're like, "Yeah, like an aunt would, like <laughs> Auntie Mary," and she's like, "No, no, no." Yeah, but it's like I think what he's playing is that he thinks that it's sort of like she's being flirty. I guess flirty is the wrong word for her, but she's being nice and sort of like the anthy way of just like, oh, look at this handsome sure, young yeah, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> pinching his while, cheeks. Yeah. She's yeah. trying to get up in them, and he's just... Oh! <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I cannot... Like, how would any of us react if one of our parents' friends started hitting on us? Like, it's, like, hard to imagine, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, but there's also, like, with the girlfriend again, where she's, like... Uh, She's like, I've known Joe for like twenty years or whatever. And she's like, Oh, I bet you have some embarrassing oh stories. God, and she's yeah. like, A normal thing, like of course. And she's like, No, we had fun together, you asshole. She's like, Actually, I, we had nice a- stories. That she has to go contrarian on absolutely yeah. everything. Yeah. But uh, she's just, she's just mad at how it's being framed. She's just mad that yeah, yeah, she, yeah. They're talking about her like, yeah, like she was his aunt or like his grandma or, yeah. or something. Which she's trying to be like, No, we're. We're contemporary. We actually had a lot of fun together. It was really fun. I also think, like, when you have an ill-advised crush and that person starts dating maybe the most normal person imaginable, that is infuriating. Yeah. Because then you're like, I don't even get why this is happening. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, we all hate his girlfriend, right? And they're like, no. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and it's just uh, that sort of... It's like... Just trying to be like... Yeah, that's that's funny that you're doing that, right? That's funny that that's who you're dating, right? <laughs> this is like a good bit, right? And it's just yeah. Listen, but I mean, and then like, as hard to watch as what Manville does throughout the entire movie, that last scene when she shows up at the door, where like, uh, they say like Pope like used different film stock for each season, and like the end in winter is like so blue and gray. And yeah. she shows up to the door, like, in the rain and, like, her, like, dingy jacket or whatever. And it's just, like, no one's there. And, like, when Broadbent and Sheen, like, show up later and they're just, like, oh, you're here. Like, I guess we'll, like, hang out with you. And they're, like, not into it. It's so brutal. And then, like, obviously the end scene where she is just, like, staring into space. You just... She's, like, an open wound. It's, like, so hard to imagine being that person and like you feel everything that she feels yeah and it's like an incredibly i think accurate characterization of like that scene also has like there's like this small little moment where they're just talking around the table at the end and they talk to her about like how she was like a cocktail waitress in greece which is like Mm -hmm. for anybody else that seems like a story that would be like fondly remembered or like you would be like, oh, that's funny, or that's like, that's a fun thing that happened. And she's just like so devastated by it, and it's because she like can clear. She's like sad because it's she perceives it as being framed as like, oh, she she used to have fun. She had her she had her good days. She had her days where she was just like this <laughs> hot, sexy, like 
cocktail waitress and now she is who she is now and just that very interesting thing of like when your life isn't going how you think it is like any like description of you sounds like somebody's insulting you like any description of you sounds like somebody is being like either condescending or they're trying to like put you in a box that you feel like you're not being you don't want to be put in and i think she played it extremely well and i think that ending hits really hard for a movie that i i I think even when you're self-conscious and someone says something about you like the knee-jerk reaction is to be like that's not true yeah or to shirk it and just be like well that's not really what it is um you don't get it you don't get what's yeah yeah i mean yeah that is a, a thing of like Secrets and Lies also taps into this of, like, your mom, like, telling someone what you do, but they get it wrong. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's like, they love this color. It's like, no, I don't love that color. I love this color. And just, like, talking about someone. There was a thing I saw on Letterboxd. I don't remember who said it, uh, but it is more ties into Secrets and Lies, and I just forgot to say. But I think it is a bit of a through line through all of Lee's work. Uh, is He reaches these high sort of... Uh, emotional points and it's like especially prevalent I think in that last scene in Secrets and Lies uh, that almost hits a melodrama in a similar way to Almodovar and uh, that sort of Mm -hmm. like without getting weird about it like the sort of high-pitched blethin like uh, irritable like way that she is just like crying and like screaming through that last section does feel very high pitched and like arch in a similar way. And I think that the sort of lowness of another year is like a nice, not contrast, but like bit of like, you don't really get like screaming ever. You're just like sobbing silently. <laughs> yeah. They're very different. Ideas, yeah. cause like secrets and lies sort of ends on the like, uh, the, the, oh, the, I mean the best the moment. prologue, and then just like sitting in the and the movie being like, yeah, they'll figure it out, and then another year where the, she's like, I always wanted a little sister, and they're like looking at the stuff in the house. It's so sweet, and then you're just like, this is what this woman's life is. Yeah, it's like, well, uh, we did another year. Da, 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 <laughs> we get through da, da. it. That's all I did. I also, yeah, what's she gonna buy next year? <laughs> yeah, uh, I forget about the bit with Bradley's son where the, he, they, like, don't invite him to the funeral. That's, like, the stuff... Not that it doesn't work for me. It just feels a little, like, unnecessary. Um, where he's, like, mad that they didn't invite him to the funeral. And then he's, like, getting aggressive energy with everybody. And it's sort of, like... I guess because you have, like, in spring... Or, sorry, in summer you have the introduction of Ken. And then in uh, fall you have the introduction of the girlfriend it's just like another person to add to the mix of like putting everyone off kilter a little bit but it is sort of like not what i want from the movie weirdly i find another year drags a little bit even though it's shorter than secrets and lies it's just kind of a less dynamic structure and like speaking as someone not brave enough to watch a more this feels like watching a more (laughs) to me where i'm like in physical pain trying to get through it and i'm just like it's a little it's a little long of the tooth to suffer like this yeah 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 i think yeah i agree it's like not quite as gripping not doesn't no, quite have the yeah. same grab but it's good it's definitely yeah. worth watching um, he has no bad ones i don't think there's some that have been I, yeah i can believe it certainly 
have been reappraised. I think there's sort of like a reappraisal of all or nothing happening right now that I'm that I'm like, let's not be years, crazy. Yeah. But um, I mean, that movie is like the worst of them. And even that one's pretty good. But it's like people are like, that's actually the best one. I'm like, no, it's not. But James Corden is good in it. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> and he's like, he's never been bad. <laughs> um, I mean, Andy, I'm inclined to agree with you. <laughs> yeah. He's good. He's a good performer. He just He's yeah. good. Listen, <laughs> yeah. We all love Buster for Jones, for sure. Um, <laughs> the, the one that I saw recently that I had sort of, like, heard was, like, mid, that I loved a lot was Career Girls, which I think is so... Like it's like all dynamic and it's so funny, uh, but that one is like, if you are annoyed by Blood, then you like you might not like it at all because it is annoying. But I think, to it's uh, you know, in, in a positive way. But like that one also, there was a joke in it that I just keep thinking about, that is so like useless to the movie, but it just made me laugh so hard. Where they're like, the movie is like about these two girls who, like went to school together and now they're just like having a visit later and it keeps cutting back between uh them as like in college and them now and uh they're like very like thick i think it's like northern english accents like very thick accents and one of the girls is like uh like thanks for cooking me dinner like i'll cook you like we'll do a pasta like we used to and the other lady just goes living in the pasta and then she just goes bonsoir and like shuts the door and it's so funny to me i keep thinking about it um but yeah Colin joke yeah i mean it's really good (laughs) and that that performer is uh katrin cartlidge she's also naked and i think she like died very young um but she's she's incredible in um, Career yeah. Girls. I need to rewatch Naked. She's in Topsy Turvy too. Right. Yes. Yeah. Topsy Turvy has like everyone in it. Topsy Turvy, every guy. Yeah. yeah, that's an interesting one too. Because like, the major thing that's changed since that movie's come out is like what the public perception of Gilbert and Sullivan is. I feel sure. like, like like I don't know how much that movie has like suffered from the like people being like we maybe shouldn't do the Mikado anymore or whatever <laughs> like thing that like has been more and more prevalent in recent times. But um, I think the movie is still like, it's like the movie is not explicitly about like the Mikado being racist, but you can definitely like see why it is when you watch the Mikado. That movie's so crazy. I think that movie about as deftly handles what the Mikado is about as it possibly can in a way that has allowed the movie to age fine. Yeah. I I think the movie, yeah, I think the movie handles it pretty well. Yeah. I remember starting it and being like, oh no. Right, yeah. <laughs> in part because I saw like a reimagining of the Mikado at some point in my early 20s that was like, we're doing woke sure. Mikado now. Right, um, people will do that. Yeah, they'll be like, let's do like Gilbert and Sullivan, but through a modern perspective or whatever. <laughs> it definitely, that's a movie where I think if you don't know shit about Gilbert and Sullivan, you are sort of at a loss. Yeah. I can't imagine how it goes over, but who knows? Maybe, maybe right. it rings totally fine, but I grew up with Gilbert and Sullivan like CDs, so... Sure. Imp- important to me. The yeah. greatest frat comedians, according to Studio 16. <laughs> um, do we have any more thoughts on another year? No. Or I may be sure yeah. too many. I mean, yeah, um, Lee in general. Yeah, we're, I would let's, recommend. Let's, yeah. I, I I just would recommend Life is Sweet. I think it's his best movie. I obviously have a few holes to fill, but uh, that movie is like so funny and uh, so sad. All right. But with yeah, with that, 
I excited to watch for... more from this exciting filmmaker. Hope he gets to yeah, make yeah, another yeah. one. I know he's been going on about how he probably won't, but uh, hopefully but something happens. He said he was starting one at the beginning of 2020, right? It was like February or something. He announced that he was going to like make a movie and then COVID happened. There's also in this this like Criterion supplement I watched, because I guess they put out the Secrets and Lies Blu-ray like in 2020 um, or maybe even 2021. Uh, yeah. They have a Zoom interview with him. And Gary Yershon, or Yershon, who's the composer of Another Year, which I think is another nice score. It's very acoustic guitar also. Um, he, they talk about, like, secrets and lies, and they talk about um, how there's, like, a rumor that goes around that the first scene with Blethen and uh, Marianne John Baptiste, like, she didn't know that she was black, and it's like a rumor that that's like the first time she saw her. And Mike Lee's like, we do so much rehearsal. There's no way that's true. But he frames it. He's like, right now we're living <laughs> in the, the end times of Donald Trump. <laughs> and that's he's true. like talking yes. about lying and everything. He's like, so this is a lie like he does. And I'm like, okay, Mike Lee, go off. <laughs> but uh, December but it, of 2020. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's really <laughs> funny. Um but he, uh, yeah, he calls him the Cheeto in chief. Um, oh my god! Right. Like, no, he, he, he doesn't, doesn't actually. Do that. That. <laughs> that would be crazy. <laughs> I can't put that on him. Yeah, it's like how Spike Lee keeps calling him Agent Orange. Um, what I was gonna say about um, Peter White is that I mostly always recognize him because I think he's one of the old guys in Hot Fuzz. I think he's the bartender. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All those, all the old people in that movie become indistinguishable. Not to be ageist, but. Yeah. After a certain point, I can't tell yeah, the whole part, I, I but do. I do think he's the bartender. Yes, I reckon. And I was That's like, fine. you know who would be so great in a Lee who's not gotten a turn with him is, like, Olivia Coleman. Oh, yeah. Maybe she's too great. big for that kind of thing now, but I sort of feel like that's maybe the white whale. It was weird that she never was in that ecosystem. Because I feel like, yeah. I mean... I mean, I guess she maybe just... I guess he's not like pulling generation before her. comedy guys, and her she's, sure. like... Yes. But she's, right. like, from that Cambridge comedy group. Right. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. it's like because I was thinking of him struggling to get a movie made, and I I just assume it's because every like auteury guy who, or like person who gets to make a movie these days, it feels like they need to get nineteen movie stars to get anything made, and I, he seems like a guy yeah. who would be so opposed to that that it maybe it right. is the reason why he's struggling, and maybe if somebody like a Coleman decided to do one of his movies, that would help him out. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't know that any of his, like, standby players could be enough to, like, sell yeah, right. what he's trying to do, which is a bummer. But I was, I think yeah. about sort of, like, who who deserves a Coleman, or a Lee turn uh, or Lee, something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do, yeah, I do agree. I think she would be really good. I, I, you know, she seems like she'd be up for it. She makes, she chooses interesting projects a lot. I would hope so, I would hope so, yeah. But yeah, with that, I think it's time for special presentations. Let's do it. Fran, do you have a thing you'd like to present to us? <laughs> um, yeah, I have like one and a half. There was one that I wasn't Go going to, and then it came to me while recording this. So sure. th- the British comedian James Acaster um, has <laughs> a Cinderella. Pod- Is he in Cinderella? He's yeah. one of the licensed. Him and James Gordon. Gordon. He, re- he, re- he replaced John Mulaney when he went to Well, Rome. fair enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Acaster and Ed Gamble have a podcast, maybe one of the most fake podcast concepts of all time, called Off Menu, where they bring on British celebs to talk about a meal they would like to eat, but they have to, like, pick all the courses. It's, like, 
okay, I guess if you're, like, already successful, you can do a podcast about whatever and no one cares. Um, Timothy Spall went on in November or December to plug Spencer, and it is, like, the greatest hour and a half I have ever listened to in any podcast because, you know, like, Spall loves food, and Spall... refuses to play by the rules of the podcast which is picking one food per course that's so funny so he's always picking like six different things and they're like you gotta stop doing this <laughs> slash they're also like i guess they had rafe spall on and they're like rafe did this also you both do this what is wrong with you um and spall you know in like the past couple of years has also like lost some weight and so he like yeah. kind of just talks about that but he's just like well, if this is three years ago, this is what I'm doing and going That's nuts. Funny. And it's just like, you don't hear guys this famous just talk about food they like to eat. Yeah. Of all different kind of like levels and quality of food also where he's got like drugstore chips along with like really yeah. nice stuff too. And he keeps talking about his wife's focaccia. It's just really charming. And That's oh, good. I thought of him earlier because he's like, people only ever recognize me for Harry Potter Right. Or they think he's Andrew Lloyd Webber. That's really funny. And they're like, your musical has changed my life. And he's always like, thank you so much. Um, but it is so it funny. is so funny. And he's such a good guest. That was like the thing that came to me in this is that like, if you like Spall, this is like the ultimate yeah. piece of Spall. Absolutely. Um, but then I'm also going to plug Kirby in the Forgotten Lands because I'm having wow. such a nice time playing this baby game on my Nintendo Switch. Kirby. You're the gamer. Carby, Carby, I love going mouthful mode. So kind of on theme with my recommendations, which is when Kirby swallows an inanimate object. Yeah, that's a horrifying name for that. Mouthful <laughs> mode? Yeah. You, yeah. Andy, like, have you seen Carby? <laughs> I have seen Carby. Yeah, people like to post that. I don't know. Pictures. You got to see, like, there are so many fucked up I, ones. There's a two. I know there's, like, a fan, right? Yeah, well, there's a big O. Oh yeah, I, I I've seen a circle a circular Kirby. The thing about Car- it's tw- it's Kirby twisted. is that it's like a fifty fifty split. I think of people thinking like it's cute or that's a horrifying thing to look at because Kirby's mouth. No, it's good. Kirby's mouth just like extends over the car and doesn't fully consume it in a way that makes you consider the anatomy of Kirby in a way that I have never had in the past. Is it Kirby yeah. with a C or with a K? Uh, I guess. An impossible question to really answer. <laughs> I don't think it's an official name. It's just Whoa, what people call it. It looks like it's a car cover. Yeah, right. Yeah. It looks like a tarp. Like that's a sick. Yeah. And that's on mouthful mode. <laughs> that's on God. Um, I do love how everything is X mode because I say that in my real life, but then like you're the gamer if I'm like turning off my PlayStation or Switch. And it's like sleep mode. I'm like, that's what I say when I go to bed. A hundred percent. To where I was like at a restaurant and I said like chicken teriyaki mode to like a server. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's great stuff. That Gotta sounds like a thing that could talk. happen in a Mike Lee movie. <laughs> yeah, do you think someone like, accidentally <laughs> saying chicken teriyaki mode? <laughs> I, I have to disagree with you, Andy. Mike Lee should make a any... gamer movie? Yeah. He's going to be the guy who cracks the Minecraft movie. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I mean, given and, that, like, I think Minecraft is a game where you kind of just go in and fuck around. Like, who better? It is sort of the yeah improv of video games of like <laughs> trying to build stuff. Um, special presentation, Andy. Do you have one? You want me to go? Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, uh, I saw the outfit last night, so I'm gonna talk about the outfit for a second. 
I know Fran's raising her arms in the in, in the air triumphantly. Uh, what a fun little tight movie that's just about Mark Rylance seeming like just trying to mind his business and like doing so much on camera business the whole time. He's always cutting or sewing or or you know doing little things with his hands. He's never making eye contact with the people he's talking to. Uh, it's just great to see him anchor a movie like that where it's just him and then a few other people like in a in a shop talking to each other. You don't like ever leave the shop except for like three exterior shots of the outside of the shop. Um, it's a great time. It's you know I it's a great I it, it's a great thing to recommend to your parents um, for when it comes to streaming. It's a focus feature, so I don't know. I think that comes to. Um, HBO eventually or something like that. I don't know. But um but yeah, it's in still in theaters right now. It's definitely worth a trek out to see with like six other senior citizens at your screening. Um, <laughs> you saw who shot the outfit, right? Dick Pope. Dick it's Pope. A Dick Pope picture. For real? Wow, that's yeah. sick. <laughs> I got to prioritize the outfit. And th- it's weird cuz the the final credits cuz it's called the outfit when they're displaying everyone's name, anytime anyone has an O in their name, it fades a little slower than all the other letters as they're going That's through fun. the end credits. That was like, I watch Gattaca, and they do that with A and T. <laughs> and C, I guess. Um, a sure. lot of letters. A lot of letters, yeah. Emilio, do you have one? Oof. I've been struggling to think of what to plug. Uh... Harry Styles released a new song. It's sort of mid, but I enjoyed it. Uh, called As It That's Was. That's his whole career. That is his whole career. I was thinking about that. Of just like, I don't think he's released any music that I think, solo, that I think is more than like pretty good. But I enjoy listening to all of it. And this song is the same. It's good. Listen to it. Stream As It Was, by, it called? As it was by Harry Styles on Spotify now. Sure. Color. I'll also, I was going to do, I guess I was going to do Career Girls, but I won't do that. So I'll do a song also, an old song that I've just been listening to a lot lately. Uh, it'll come up uh, in my on repeat, and I'll listen to it like five times back to back. From Random Access Memories, uh, Give Yourself to Dance, is that what it's called? Lose, Lose Yourself to Dance. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's great as a song for me as a guy who likes music where I never know what lyrics or song titles are as I just displayed uh, and there's like three words that they say in the movie <laughs> in the movie in the in the song uh, but it's sick I just keep listening to it over and over again Daft Punk Pharrell famous guy playing guitar who I don't remember his Niles name right now Roger. but it's just a it's just a bob yeah Niles Rod. yeah 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 but yeah and with that yeah Fran thank you so much for being yes, on yes thank you for joining oh my gosh, us again thank you that for so having fun. me this is there is anything the you'd like to plug? I'll plug Fran Magazine. Of my, course. My silly little blog. Yeah, big fan. <laughs> Worth a subscription, absolutely. Yeah, truly. Every Tuesday. There's a new one. I haven't read it yet. Oh, the new one kind of hits. <laughs> we'll see. I've been, yeah. phone- I've been yeah, phoning I, I, it I, yeah. in for a sec. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm back. I'm back in a big way. Yeah. What was, what was today? A 10 or 11 or something? It was like 12. 12. All right. A dozen. Yeah. Thank you so much. Barreling into Q2. Yeah. <laughs> Summer era. Uh, well, yeah. And then social media or? Oh, sure. If people <laughs> want to come say hi. I'm just Fran Hoffner. My name on everything. Twitter, Instagram, 
letterboxed linkedin all right well with that you can follow the podcast on twitter at can i kick it you can follow us on letterbox and instagram at ciki pod if you have any questions or comments you can email us at can i kick it pod at gmail.com if you'd like to donate money to us uh you can at ko-fi.com slash can i c-a-n-n-e-s-i if you want to follow me on twitter letterboxd i'm at clatchley c-l-a-t-c-h-l-e-y andy at andy t germ a-n-d-y-t-g-e-r-m emilio uh, at letterbox <laughs> uh, i mean on letterbox at i laugh alone and on twitter at i'm laugh alone all right and our theme song is by tree related who's on spotify and soundcloud at tree related uh and then with that thank you for listening and we'll release our audience bye, bye.